0: heard that before that's good amen (laughs) you could come to this church just to hear the good music i'm glad you show up for the preaching too but the music's fantastic and so uh appreciate that this morning very much it's good to have the Drinkard family with us this morning Uh, brother keith all the way from the uh big state of kansas topeka kansas and so uh, good church there south knollwood baptist church brother metzinger and uh, this is the just a great church. And so he'll be starting a church in the Kansas City area. Uh, it's called Leewood, a suburb there of Kansas City. And so normally, we don't have a lot of our church planters come and preach for us. Uh, church planters, we, we take on support, usually without seeing them. Uh, just Again, it's not a lifetime commitment when you support a church planter. And so a lot of times we don't see. It. But this morning, we wanted to take advantage of the opportunity to have Uh, brother Drinkard, come and preach to you and just reminding you that it's not just about reaching uh the 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 far reaches of the world but reaching here in america as well america needs again america needs the lord and the only way to again to the cure for america is to plant more churches come on brother Drinkard, and we appreciate uh him coming this morning to preach to us
1: thank you god bless you well good morning no, that was not convincing. Let's try that one more time. Good morning. 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 Yeah, much better with a crowd this size. I'm sure it is very good. Very good to be here. Thank you, Pastor, for having us in. I appreciate that. And Brother Wiggins, thank you for opening up your classroom to us. And I'm going to just apologize ahead of time, class, if there's some things in which you may have heard already this morning. Uh, just keep listening, okay? Don't, don't plug that out. But anyways, uh, we are Independent Baptist Church Planning Missionaries from the great state of Kansas. Uh, it's just so great that we have infiltrated your church with some of them. We sent the Clock family down here. Uh, they're good friends of ours, and uh, we're just really blessed to be here. As a matter of fact, uh, when I saw Brother Trell, he's one of our favorite missionaries here, a missionary that our home church supports as well. It is a double blessing, so I thank you guys for the work in which is being done over there. And he talked about the spiritual darkness that is over there in his world, and I'm just going to say it like this, if I could, not to take away from that. Uh, you know, uh, darkness is just the absence of God's light. And some of the places in which we seem as though it's the brightest and the best places to go, there's spiritual darkness there. It could be in the bedroom. It could be in a house. It could be in a hotel. It could be just about anywhere. It could be in a state, an entire state, a section of a city. It could be just anywhere where God is not there. And we're looking to bring it in an independent Baptist church, KJV. Okay, this is going to be the only Baptist church in that city of 35,000 where we would say, man, why would you go there? It looks so beautiful. It's so aesthetically pleasing to the eye. It looks like they have everything going for them. And that was, that's what they want you to think, of course. But it is spiritually dark there, too. When, uh, when people... Uh, when a, when, a, when a Christian uh, kind of judges a book by its cover, we, we quickly perceive in our own minds that they don't want to listen. Uh, they won't be receptive to the gospel because of what they have. But it's what they, it's what they don't have is most needed. We have a duty and obligation and responsibility that has been given to us by our Savior to carry out Christ's priority, to seek and save that which is lost. Not that we can do it in of ourselves. We can't. There's the power of God. And if we decide not to share that message. So there's sections of cities all across the United States and large metropolitan areas where there's a need for churches. Churches that are not afraid and are bold in their witness to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. and You've seen some of the neighborhoods that are filled with um, the things of this world. And you think, man, they don't need Jesus Christ. And again, they would say the same thing, but they really do. They need the Lord. And if someone can, if the Lord can get a hold of just one person's heart in that area, the assets and resources in which have been given to them could be expounded and spread throughout. And we would see more of the cause of Christ go forward in areas in which... We've never seen before. You say, well, you know, how hardly can a rich man enter into heaven? It's like sticking the camel through the eye of a needle. And I remind you in that passage, just the next chapter over, Zacchaeus was a rich man and he was saved. He accepted Christ. We see the occupations of all the disciples that are surrounding Jesus Christ and they come from all over. We were looking at the book of Matthew and we will again today and we'll see that Matthew was a tax collector and he had money. And they were business owners, they were fishermen, and though they may not have been the richest, they certainly weren't the poorest. And God used these men, and, and even Jesus Christ was surrounded by, by people like Joseph of Arimathea and, and Nicodemus, and those guys who had um, a lot. And just as we learned in class, it's not what you have or how much you have, it's what you do with what you've been given. And that's really kind of boiled down for the Drinkard family, is that the Lord had blessed our lives, not just in ministry, but also in in corporate life and occupation. Uh, For the last 10 years, I've been a banker. And the last uh, three to four years, I've been in business, commercial, and corporate banking, all while training up to um, take a a president's chair, if you will, climbing the last rung in the corporate ladder. But, you know, I know I knew the Lord had other plans. He called me out of Ezekiel 3 to preach and at one point in time I thought that I was going to be a missionary to Israel, but just through much counsel and reading and praying and just following the lead of the Holy Spirit, it was really a calling to my people, the people here in the United States. And so the Lord impressed it upon our hearts to go into the church planting work. Uh, Through the leadership of the Holy Spirit and through the guidance and help of my pastor and other godly counsel, which there's safety in the multitude of counselors, uh, Lee would we formulated a, a A vision for Leewood, and I should say maybe the Holy Spirit laid it upon our hearts, a place in which I almost talked myself out of a couple times, counting all the giants in the land. You know, you always try to make a pros and a cons list, right? Well, the the cons certainly outweighed the pros, and uh, I was about ready to dip out, and the Lord really just laid it upon my heart to to go in, and ever since that we made the decision, peace has ensued, and doors of opportunities that we can't explain, or have the time to explain, um, have just opened up to us. And so, um, we're going to this needy area of the Kansas City Metro, it's in the south-central portion of 2.5 million people, a city of 35,000, it doesn't have a KJV Baptist Church just like this one there in that area. There's no one there waiting for us. There's not like a a remnant of a church there. It's a brand new work. It's going to be completely organic. We're following the book of Acts as our template, as our model. Uh, We have uh, churches in the Kansas City metro, both on the Glory Land side, which is Kansas, and on the Missouri side, which some people call misery, but I'm not real for sure. Uh, I'm just teasing. They're there waiting for us. They're supporting us financially and also prayerfully. And so when we do go in, we're going to be with a collective group, maybe a couple handfuls of churches that will help kind of bring this this church up off the ground. So we're very excited about the partnership that is with these churches. We pray that you'd be able to be a part of that in some way, shape, or form, but really what we're asking is for your prayers. We know that um, just through a humble petition to the Lord that you're going to move the holy hand of Jesus Christ on our behalf, so we hand out these small tokens of reminders uh, to pray for us. This is our family. I brought uh, four missionaries with me, or I should say three, my wife, Grace, and Lily. They're the two littles. Uh, The two oldest ones, Kaylin and Keith, they're with our pastor. They're going to leave after the AM service to go to Tennessee for camp. And so uh, as you've been praying already for your campers, if you would please I pray for the safety and travels of our family. A quote was given to me by a pastor friend. It says, To lift him up, to preach his name, and to invite souls to love him and to follow him is the highest, heavenliest privilege of human life. It's very true. I don't think soul winning is the biggest thing. I think glorifying Jesus Christ is... And we get the opportunity to do that in a place where not a lot of people would go. So if you would, please, as uh, the video plays, would you please pray and ask the Lord what it is that uh, he would have you to do for the cause of Christ there. And and also, too, as I've done many times and still find myself doing it a habit, is praying each time a video is shown as Lord, is that where you would have me to go? Thank you. It's a little bit more surreal as we're... Sitting here having this conversation, you're watching the people kind of walk to and from and you know you don't necessarily understand their uh, their lives intimately but you have a greater idea of what the Bible says about the world and the need of the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Obviously any and all cities um, are in need of the gospel uh, but there was one uh, vision specifically that was on the heart of our pastor and that had grown on ours. And as the vision grew, Leewood,
2: Kansas, uh, the idea was born from that. Leewood, Kansas has been on my heart for about 12 years. It was right after missions conference one evening. Uh, he asked me to step aside and pray with him. And he gave me his altar card from that evening. And on the altar card, he said, I've surrendered to the ministry. And so there in the next couple of weeks, we began to pray. And I shared with him my burden for Leewood. And it was almost as if the two visions were paired together. And we, we just knew that the Lord would have us at this time to plant a church in the heart of Leewood, Kansas. This is very uh, corporate-centric and
1: entertainment comfort pleasure-focused city. Uh, Within 35,000, there's three country clubs. If we were to look throughout the city, you would notice uh, the retail shops and boutique stores, and you would notice also too the presence of large corporations that not only have a presence here, but are headquartered in the city. Headquartered is a movie theater chain here in town. Behind me is uh, the Sprint World Headquarters. And these corporations, like Black and & Beach and other corporations, bring in employees from all over the world. And we have an opportunity to reach them with the Gospel. The idea of an enhanced lifestyle through the world's riches is here in the city. And so what we're here to do is impart the Gospel to them and give them something that they could really invest into. Uh, instead of investing in things that are going to corrupt, uh, the things that are
2: going to have no eternal value, uh, we understand that the one thing that will live forever is not their riches but is their soul. Our hope is not just to send the drinkards out. Our hope is to walk alongside of him and his family. And so when a church gets behind the drinkard family they're really they're joining in with South Knollwood and we become a team to help move that family into Leewood and plant a church. That's the vision that's what we're going after and we believe now is the time and we believe the drinkards are the ones that can get us all the way there. These individuals
1: know and understand business day in and day out. And they also know what it takes to have a return on their investment. But there is a, an inheritance that is not tangible here on earth that they can have and I think that if they knew the riches that's available to them through Jesus Christ not only would they be more apt to listen, but they'd be more apt to change their focus, less on the, on the riches of this life and more on the inheritance and the riches that Jesus Christ brings. Through His, uh, his calling in our lives, uh, coupled with the vision of our pastor, uh, the influence of the Holy Spirit leading us to a place like this, uh, we know there's a need in Leewood, just like there's a need anywhere else. But we feel as though the Lord has called us into this place to do His work. Thank you for your attention. If you would, please, open up your Bibles. I hope that you brought them today. Wouldn't it be funny if a carpenter went to work without his hammer? Or a banker went to the bank without his pen? We kind of rendered useless a little bit, so I really hope that you brought the Word of God with you today, so that we are able to learn from that. Uh, uh, We're going to be learning and teaching out of the book of Matthew, as uh, we were there earlier this morning. Uh, And we're going to look at Matthew chapter 17. I'm going to turn there with you. Now, Matthew was an interesting individual, used of the Lord uh, as a tax collector, as a publican. Uh, He uh, knew and understood the ebbs and flow of, of cash, of money. He wasn't the treasurer, Judas was, but he was certainly a part of some decision-making, I'm certain. But definitely used the Holy Spirit to teach us um, biblical principles in which we learned in the Sunday school hour earlier. And so I appreciate the attendance of that class as well. Now, if you could help me out just a little bit, make me feel comfortable at home, I certainly would appreciate it. But really to honor and glorify the Word of God. Could you stand with me if you have your Bibles open in Matthew 17? Matthew 17, verse 14. I'm just going to read some verses here, a parable, a story with a heavenly meaning here. It says in verse 14, chapter 17, in the book of Matthew, it says, And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him, and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic, and sore vexed. For oftentimes he falleth into the fire, and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil and departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Let's pray. Lord God in heaven, much has already been said, Lord. and We can continue to pray, Lord, and just worship and admiration, Lord, to you. I'm just so grateful, Lord, for your presence here in the house of worship. And Lord, as this is a house of prayer, Lord, we... Pray for our dear loved ones, Lord, who can't be with us here in this hour. And I think of Missy, Lord. I just ask that you lay your healing hand upon her or cure her, Lord, of her illness, Lord. Strengthen her with strength in which she did not even have before she came through the doors this morning. And, Lord, I ask you to continue to use the church, Lord, to see that they reach their community, Lord, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, Lord, that disciples are made, Lord, again, that the kingdom of heaven would be broadened, Lord. I just thank you, Lord, for the leadership here, Brother Crawford, Lord. and his testimony, Lord, throughout the region and throughout the United States. Lord, I thank you, God, for your influence here in this place. Lord, I ask God, Lord, now you just use me as you see fit, just as an instrument, as a tool in your hand. I, I give myself to you, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that you just fill me full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Just allow me to say what it is that you want me to say. Lord, I thank you, God, for this opportunity hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Lord, I love you. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. There's a song that goes as we are here in this Missions Emphasis Month. It says, In the harvest field now ripened, there's a work for all to do. Hark, the voice of God is calling to the harvest, calling you. Does a place you're called to labor seem so small and little known? It is great if God is in it, and he will not forget his own. Are you laid aside from service, body worn from toil and care? You can still be in the battle in the sacred place of prayer. When the conflict here is ended. And the race on earth is run. He will say if we are faithful. Welcome home my child well done. And that's a little bit about what I want to speak to you today. Man, move this. It is just uh, the little faith in which we can exercise for God's kingdom. And to see it expounded. And, and the utilization of God's power at a degree in which we never thought imaginable. But it's if. We use it. Two, two little letters formulate a very small word but, it's so imp- word, but it's so impactful because it's a decision to be made, just like there is a heavenly or eternal decision that could be made for those that are before me. I don't know if you ever received Jesus Christ, your Lord and personal Savior, but when I was a little boy, I was nine years old, growing up in the church house, I knew that hell was real. I knew that Jesus Christ in heaven was real, and I didn't want to go to hell. I wanted to go to heaven. And I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I knew I couldn't get there on my own. I was a sinner. I was one of the worst nine-year-old boys you probably know because I was a deacon's kid. You know know those kids, right? I'm teasing. But it was very important to me at that very hour of my life that I knew that when I closed my eyes for last time, regardless of what my age was or what my name was, that I was going to go and see Jesus and not be separated from Him for all eternity. I pray that today... Today would be a, uh, the day of salvation for somebody who even has a question mark. That they would find somebody who's even carrying a Bible and, and just simply ask, would, do you mind showing me how I can be saved? And simply, you already know. You're already a sinner. You already know that you do things wrong. We all do. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But if you realize that you are a sinner, that's the first step. That's really pretty practical, pretty easy. No one's perfect, yeah. Well, then you've got to believe and trust in Jesus Christ that he paid the penalty for your sin, which that penalty was, was hell. It is hell. And you believe and trust in Jesus Christ, and you receive him saying, Lord, I'm trusting in you, for there's nothing that I can do. Would you please take me to heaven when I die? I know that you died for me. Thank you. And you just confess with your mouth. You just went through the plan of salvation in the shortest amount of time. You didn't even know that. But if you've never done that, if there's never been a time in your life, and you don't recall, please, please do that. Listen, I don't remember the exact day, time, week, month. I don't even remember what the flowers smelled like or if there was snow on the ground. I have no clue. But you know what I do know? I do know what the Bible tells me about my salvation. Amen. And I'm trusting God in it. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to take the simple plan of salvation and share it with others. That's not what I'm here to talk about today, but I just really felt impressed to say that, to lead with that, and I hope that you understand. But here in verse 20, it says this, it says, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. And he says, For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith is a grain of mustard seed. Now, there's some, been some serious landscape that the disciples had experienced during this chapter, during this time. The, the three close, the big three, uh, Peter, James, and John was with Jesus Christ at the very beginning of the chapter at the Mount of Transfiguration. They, they saw uh, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, God, all meet at once, and they brought a couple friends with them. It was a really good time. It was so much fun that Peter decided to open his mouth, and you know what happens when... He opens his mouth, right? Insert foot. That's the disciple who I can relate to the most, by the way. Just being transparent with you, okay? Bear with me. So there's, a, there's this experience, this mountaintop experience. It even says that right at the very beginning of chapter 17. It says, And after six days Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain certainly you would say that that would be a pinnacle experience you would be able to see something in which you've never seen before and you saw god move on your behalf in just a way that you never thought imaginable and exceeded your very own expectation and you would you would even say to yourself man that was a that was a big god moment have you had one of those before where he answered a prayer in such a way or he did something for you that you just had no explanation and there was just a, a reverential awe that of, of God in your life that you really were just standing still and you're realizing that he is the Lord? Man, I hope so. I hope for your, excuse me, for your sake that you have. Just like every mountaintop experience, you've got to come down from it. In verse 9, it says, and they came from the mountain. Man, some of the mountains in which we've traversed through on deputation, the miles that we've put in, and the places that we got to see, even got to climb mountains and buttes and the Grand Canyon, you understand that there's switchbacks. And even coming down the mountain is work. You know, it's like running on those gerbil wheels. You're just working so hard and getting absolutely nowhere. That's what it kind of maybe felt like. At least that's how I would think of it. But it says that they came down the mountain and there was a reason. If you look over at the very first verse that we read earlier, it says, And when they were come to the multitude, there was work to do. And oftentimes we find ourselves in this pinnacle moment of our lives, this mountaintop experience, and then we kind of come back down and we're climbing on the bumps and working our way down to the base of it. And there is a valley. It's deep and it's dark and sometimes cold and often lonely. And you think you're the only one there. But I'm reminded in, as we are in Kansas and it's, and it's uh, crop planting season time during the spring, you're putting your seeds in the ground, that, that ground has to be turned, it has to be cultivated, it has to be moved over so that the seed can be planted and germinated. And some of the times the Lord does things in our lives for a certain reason so that He would be glorified. And our ground in our life has to be turned over and we have to be cultivated and softened and molded so that when the seed is planted, it, it dies to itself. That's what I had to do when I was a young boy. I had to die to myself so that I might live in Christ. When that seed was planted, it, it took root and, and it went down deep and it has grown and it, yeah, slowly, okay. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, all right, I'll admit that. But but the roots are are there. It's from a godly heritage. My first preacher pastor was my grandfather. And then my dad always kept us in the church doors, and and my <laughs> my parents' knees are calloused. Three of us boys drove them to the floor, literally, and they prayed over us. But the the roots have stuck. And just as the the, the seed is planting and putting roots into the ground and growing, a sprout is coming up. And it's coming up out of the soil for all to see. And and maybe a branch would grow and and extend and and fruit would be born and we'd see people saved and so on and so forth. Basically what I'm saying is that down... Inside of the valley is a very important place to be, and we need to go there sometimes. We need to be cultivated. We need to have our lives turned upside down sometimes so that the Lord would mold us and make us into His image. to be used of God to bring glory and honor to Him. Amen. I'm reminded of a flower called a lily in the valley. So just as much as Jesus Christ is on that mountaintop, He's also down in the valley with you. And then they come to the multitude where the real work is at. Where the rubber meets the road, if you will. And immediately, as soon as he gets there, it says that a certain man, a nameless man, a man who wasn't mentioned by name here in the scriptures, but certainly he had a name to his son, maybe to his wife, or other family members or there's neighborhood and community around him. I'm not really for sure what kind of man he was, but he was a certain man. But what he did tells me all about him. And he knelt down to him. Him being Jesus Christ kneeling. And that's a place that we often need to be found is kneeling before the Lord. Okay, it's not every time that we can just go into the bedroom three times a week and pray to the, oh, with the windows open excuse me, and be praying one direction. It's not all the time that we can be on our knees but we should have a heart that is bent towards the Lord Jesus Christ in a humble spirit and praying and asking just like this man did. He said, Lord have mercy on my son. Went to the only person who can give him that kind of mercy. Just like Hebrews eleven talks about. It talks about going boldly to the throne of grace. And what do we find there? What do we ask for? Grace and mercy. He said, For I or he is he said, Have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. A lunatic he was possessed. And he says, times he was falling into the fire and often the water. This demon wanted to destroy this boy, his son. You'd say, man, sometimes driving in this traffic and a guy cuts you off, you're like, that lunatic! No, that's not that kind of lunatic here. We have a a different type of a lunatic. And he needed physical healing just as well because of the ways that the demons was trying to destroy him. Sometimes we often feel like we're in the floods of life or the uh, fiery trials of life. But here he says, I brought him to thy disciples, which he was obedient Because if you remember chapters before this, you understand that Jesus Christ imparted the power of God to his disciples. He's like, listen, you have the power to not only heal physically, but also to cast out demons. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. So he went to his disciples first. Now, some of the theologians say that the disciples were not the disciples or the apostles that were given that power, but they were of the general multitude. Now, some say that it was just all the multitude of the disciples and the nine, because three were up on the mountaintop and they came down. But regardless, what if it was just all of them just for a moment in time? And he says, Then Jesus answered and said Now these are very sharp and pointed words, very direct. They're not you know, sugary, sprinkled, or flower velvety, gloved, you know, words of communication that we have to talk around the tree to come in through the back door for us to have an understanding. This is just really simple and really plain. And he says, O faithless and perverse generation. And you would probably say that we even live in a faithless and perverse generation today. But just consider for a moment that he's actually talking to disciples, followers of Jesus Christ. I try not to use the term Christians too much because everybody is a Christian. You probably found this already. So I say, biblicist, or a follower of Jesus Christ or a disciple of Jesus Christ. But anyways, the Bible says disciples. He goes, oh, faithless and perverse generation... How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil and departed out from him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart. This is funny to me. Because all this while they've been following Jesus Christ, they've been trained, they've been prepped, they've been given the power of Jesus Christ, they've been given the power of God to exercise, to cast out demons and to heal. But then the the disciples come to Jesus apart, away from the multitude, like they had to get Jesus off to the sidebar. And they say, hey, why couldn't we do it? They're more concerned about themselves than they were about the father, about the lunatic who was just healed. They weren't concerned about anything other than what they could not do, even though they had the power to do it. And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. I'm sure, just like me, as Christians, then the sound of my voice, that know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but are powerless. Because they choose not to pursue after God. They choose faithlessness. He says, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith, there's a grain of mustard seed. Something so teeny tiny, something so very small, the the size of a speck of a speck of a speck. Kind of like me. I feel so glad the Lord called me, but I feel unworthy. I, I know you can't see this. But this is really tiny, right? I mean, that is really small. You see that? So, so small. I mean, you know what a seed tick is, right? If it had a backpack, it'd get lost inside of it. I mean, this mustard seed is tiny. But you know, when it sprouts and it dies to itself and it gives life, it grows up to be one of the largest herb trees in all of the world. And Jesus Christ said that if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove to yonder place. And nothing shall be impossible. And of myself and of South Knollwood, we can't go and start a church. We can't accomplish all of what has been accomplished on deputation in such a short amount of time because of the because of the drinkards. Certainly not because of the power of God that was inside of it. And he's been blessing as long as we've been going along and you know what? He's gonna bless there in Leewood, I just know it. With or without the drinkards. I hope with. That's our prayer. This so is what I want to talk about. Is I just real briefly, three things on, on this small faith. I told you I almost talked myself out of going into Leewood, Kansas because I started counting all the giants in the land. And Caleb and Joshua went into to Canaan land. Ten other guys with him, right? Spied out the land. Came back with a report. And ten gave a bad report. They said, no, we can't do it. We are about what? Grasshoppers. In their eyes. Was that a bit of an exaggeration? Yeah, I mean, I've been around some pretty tall guys. I mean, most everybody is taller than I am because I'm so short, but I've been around some pretty big guys. and Never have I ever felt that I was a grasshopper. That was kind of an exaggeration. These guys were, the disciples were more concerned about what it is that they could not do. Why couldn't we do it? Because of the lunatic situation, the lack of faith, whatever the case may be, they were more concerned about themselves. And oftentimes we are more concerned with us about ourselves than we are about Jesus Christ, which enables us to exercise the power of the Lord in our lives, telling other people about Jesus Christ or seeing souls saved. And we start to exaggerate our situations and start to make excuses, just as we learned this morning. And, and all these things, and we can always talk our way out of it. Thus becoming powerless. See, couldn't our tendencies be this? Could it be as simply as making mountains out of molehills? Well, you don't really know my situation, you don't understand my circumstances, the, the health situation I'm in, or the financial disparity, disparity that I'm in. I'm like... Lord it puts us in places for certain reasons and certain seasons and times in life. I understand that. But you also have to be spiritually aware that He is giving us an opportunity to access His, his power and to exercise that. He says, "Howbeit this kind goes only out by prayer and fasting." These are spiritual exercises that take our eyes off of ourselves, take our eyes off of situations, circumstances, and relationships that would otherwise derail us from the direction in which we should be going, which is towards Jesus Christ. And these exercises get the focus and the attention right back to where it should be Him, Christ. But it's only the small things. Jesus Christ said, if. If ye have faith, this is great as mustard seed." He said also in Luke, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? I believe the true riches are the souls. I believe that people think that the money is the big thing, and I've fallen into this trap as well, is that if I was doing all the spiritual things right, then God will bless me with the money. But it's the opposite. It's actually, if God is going to be blessing us, it's that we're stewarding appropriately the resources in which He has given us faithfully, and then He'll bless us with the true riches. God's never called money to be the big thing. So it doesn't matter how much that we have, but it matters what we do with what we have. And God tests us with this. So it does, it does resonate when this small faith develops much fruit. When that small faith develops much fruit is when we are giving those things over to Him, but also small faith can produce the largest impact. I'm talking about little teeny tiny stuff stuff that we can't even see with the naked eye. Have you ever seen an Adam before? atom before? A T O M, not A D A M, okay? You can't see it, but underneath the microscope, but when that's split in half, what happens? Boom! right? Giant explosion. Things go off. gets darkened. things get wiped off the map. Big giant explosion. A BB. Have you ever seen a BB before? Okay, hang on, I'm I'm almost done, really, I promise you. A BB, really tiny, teeny tiny, put it in the palm of your hand. It's very small, okay? A Red Ryder BB gun is like the Americana gift that you can give to a nine-year-old boy, is it not? I gave Keith, my youngest son, or my only son, a BB gun uh, this year. And, I mean, he went nearly right out the door with pop cans and targets and stuff. And we were been all training and prepping and getting ready to give him this. But I remember when I got mine. And, And my brother's two and a half years younger than I am, and he got one, too. And so as we were, you know, unwrapping them, we were thinking of all the things that we could shoot already. My dad had been training us, you know, respect the gun, respect the bullet and all these good things. And as we got outside to go on our big adventure to go shoot some things up, right? That's what we do when we have BB guns. He goes, remember two things. He goes, son, remember that you know for sure what's behind the target in which you shoot at. Okay, got that, dad, check. Okay, but then he goes, whatever you kill, you eat. okay. So we buried a lot of blackbirds, but don't tell my dad, okay? But we were target shooting and target practicing. We were on our way home, and my brother in the driveway found a washer, and he picked it up. And you know what a washer is, just a little flat metal piece with a circle in the middle. It's like a donut. And he holds that up in the air, and he goes, I bet you can't shoot through that. And I was like, well, not if you just, you know, throw it up in the air or something. I can't shoot it. He goes, no, I'll hold it. And I said, okay, all right. You hold it. Hold it for me. Just his hand. I didn't go very far, you know, I wanted to shoot through it, right? And so I aimed and I shot and, you know, BBs, they don't have a lot of pressure. It has a little arch to it. But I kid you not, it went through the hole. I know. I was was shocked. I was like, did you see that? And he's like, yeah, that was awesome. Did you see that over there? And he pointed to my parents' back patio glass door window. It was a door, really. And we're just standing there in that awkward silent moment. You know, the world just slows down and stops. And pretty soon you hear, it, and it spidered the whole thing. And then it all came crashing down. And there was an atom that was split that night. It, it was His name wasn't Adam. his name was Keith. Something else was split when mom and dad came home. That was bad. But if you think about just how small that, may, that thing was at BB, but how big of an impact that made in my life, God has interest in the small things. He has interest in Moses, who was in the backside of the desert, with a stick. When he let go and let let God work in his life and threw that stick down before Pharaoh, it led a nation out, out of bondage. A stick. The same stick slapped a rock and water came out. The same stick slapped a Red Sea and, and it was parted and the River Jordan it departed and, and we say there's nothing in a stick and I would say you're absolutely right but the power of God was in that stick just like the power of God was inside of that little pebble that David picked up. See we think that these stories are not real because we hear them so often from a little age but his reality is is that there wasn't any power in the boy it was the faith that was in a little boy who was being trained on the backside of the desert all that time who came up to a big giant that an entire nation said he's too big for us but David David comes and says, this man is too small for my God. And he takes that stone, and he slings it, and it goes right in between his eyes. The power of God was in that stone. The power of God wasn't in a whirlwind, it wasn't in an earthquake, it wasn't in fire, but it was in a small, still voice. Just as we would equate those are small and frivolous things, we sometimes think of ourselves that way. We say, This relationship is too big for me. The situation, the sin, is too big for me. But can I remind you that God sent a little baby not to be a general or a king, but to be a savior of the world? He took interest in the small things. And Jesus Christ didn't walk the super highways, He walked the back pathways. He held little kids' hands, and he had, talked about little coins and flowers. He took interest in the small things. Just as he took an interest in those things, he's taken an interest in you. Regardless if you think you're out of the game or not. Their duties and responsibilities from Jesus Christ to his servants are not held in bondage by an age demographic. You can exercise the power of God the same way. He inspired millions of people to give billions of dollars through a little old widow lady. Casting in all that she had. She had enough faith for that. Certainly, the small things can make the largest impacts in our life. And certainly, the small faith develops much fruit. And lastly, the big things are the sum total of the small things. And if you think about it just for a second, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? It's that little faith, little step of faith that you take towards the Lord and He draws nigh to you. And as that little shepherd boy was being groomed to be a commander of an army, who was being groomed to be a general of the king's army, who was being groomed to be a, a king of a nation, who was being groomed to be a, a man after God's own heart. We think of Timothy who came from a broken home, a blended home, who was being trained in the scriptures. He studied to show thyself approved, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. And he was rightly dividing the word. And as he was growing and studying the Lord, he impressed upon the heart of the Apostle Paul, the greatest missionary second to Jesus Christ. Moved him to tears. Influenced him. Ultimately replaced Paul. You think about Elisha who was just an attendant to Elijah. He received a double portion of spirit. And you think about our own uh, uh, great commission, if, you, if I could say it like that, because we need to own it. The great commission, it was given just to a small a dozen men that turned the world upside down, but use these principles that God has given us to, to lay down the principles in which we live by to evangelize this known world and saving the lost and making disciples and seeing that this whole known world is reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, in closing, if you could, please, just bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. As you bow your head and close your eyes, you're thinking, man, the thing in where I'm at right now is just too big for me. Man, God doesn't even know that I'm here. No, that's, that's not true. Yeah, okay, you've been faithful in coming here since the years of this church's conception. Yeah, you've been, you've been faithful by way of reading and praying every day. Giving tithes and offerings when I say, does the Lord have all of you, have you ever stepped back and just recoiled to that thought? I'm not, I don't know if I'm ready to give all of myself to the Lord. Maybe there's an individual here today that would give themselves to the Lord today and commit and dedicate themselves to the cause of Christ in full-time ministry. Listen, we've met people that are too big for God to use. But we've never met someone who's too small. Any measure of of faithlessness will disengage the power of God from our life to accomplish great things for Him. That's why it's so important for us to decrease. Because He must increase. Whatever you do, nothing is going to be too small if it's done in obedience and love to the Savior. Lord, I love you and I thank you for the time which you've blessed us with. Lord, now as we turn the service over to Pastor, continue to bless, Lord, and use your word to influence the hearts and minds of your people to make eternal decisions for you. We love you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: On behalf of our church and staff, thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons and more information about our church, please visit hbchazlitt.org.